I I the other book that is a little less heavy duty. I just finished it. It's um Girls Can Kiss Now by Jill Gutowitz. I haven't She's, read it. Um, it's on my Goodreads okay. Want to Read okay. List, which is a highly selective list. You don't get on that list unless I'm going to read you. So okay, it's really it. good. I really like. I haven't laughed out loud at a book in a really long time, and oh. it's like it's really funny, but also oh, like her own kind of like grappling with her sexual identity is also kind of like i think it'll like it's the kind of thing that um might resonate yeah when you, when i you think that's probably it. why i put it on there i um yeah it's so funny because i just don't grapple with anything anymore <laughs> like, i'm <am> beyond <laughs> grappling but like wow there was a moment <laughs> so much I, mean, I think that's all of us at this point is that we can barely grapple <laughs> no, I, <laughs> Done. <laughs> Done grappling. You don't even want to know what number take this is of me trying to do the intro. I don't know why this is so hard. Um, folks, Jolly Jeepers, ain't it great? This is episode 38 get this guy out of here he stinks um this is the anhedonic headphones podcast i am kevin krein aka kevy fly i am your host i appreciate you being here this is the 38th episode overall and it is also the second episode of season seven you could be listening to so many other podcasts right now there are so many out there in the world there's ones hosted by people who aim to have a positive impact in your life like Brene Brown or Glennon Doyle there's current events there's movies there's books there's true crime there's hot goss who knows what else is out there there's misinformation about the pandemic I mean there's a regular buffet of podcasts for you to choose from And thanks for being here. I do really appreciate it. I'm going to save the rest of the fine print for the end, and I'm going to introduce today's guest. This was a just a delightful conversation. Very excited about this episode. Uh, Sometimes the guests on the show are people that I know, and in many cases, they're people that I've known for a very long time. Sometimes uh, the guest is someone that I am just a rando, an internet rando to, and I have slid into their DMs and asked them to do this, and they have agreed. Uh, this is one of those times, and it was great. This was so much fun. So without any further ado, please put your hands together as you are able for today's illustrious guest, Michelle Morgan. Yeah. Ugh. All right. Yeah, it's, anyway. ugh, it's wild. All right. So, um, well, first and foremost, I, I know that you are a bit a busy gal. You got like a million side hustles. You have so much going on. So I'm so thank you. I, I'm very thankful that you were willing to do this and that we could find a time. I when love you were it. Available. It's the kind of thing I love doing. So I'm so thankful and, that you asked. Oh, that's so kind of you. Um, so. I have your list of songs pulled up here, and before we get into any of them, for the folks at home, do you want to just give your a little introduction about who you are and like some of the things you do? Because (laughs) you have like so many, like you put me to shame with how many side hustles I'm doing. You're running like way more. It's 
not okay. Um, so my name's <laughs> Michelle Morgan. I am, um, I use she, her pronouns. I am, my day job is digital accessibility specialist at Yale University, where I work to make content more accessible for people with disabilities. So I work big, in, big Yale.edu email address. I do. I have through. a big Yale.edu email address, which I am not afraid to flex. Like, honestly, <laughs> it's the most Karen thing I do. I'm like, do you see this Yale.edu? You can get back to me. Stat. Um, my that's my my job which i really do like my job which is weird to say in 2022 um i am also an artist so i'm a hand embroidery artist i recently started tufting rugs because my tendonitis is massively out of control um i am a programmer for wpkn and 89.5 fm out of bridgeport connecticut and i have a monthly radio show there called love and communication which airs on friday nights it used to be 10 to 2, but we had a programming change to uh, for some new stuff. So it's going to be from 11 to 2 from here on out. And you can find me at WPKN.org if you want to hear what I listen to currently. Um, you, gosh. Said once, you said that's once a month? Yeah, it's only once a month. How is how hard is it to do something like that once a month? Like in terms of just like how like how many songs you have to build up and be like, yo, I can't wait to play this on the air. It's or it's so because I do so many things, like in my head, I want to do it more than that, but I think once a month is good for me. What I think is gonna be a problem <laughs> is that I had four hours and now I'm only gonna have three, and that's just not oh, enough. Yeah. Um I I probably could do more if if I were more available, but I'm just not. I have, like you said, do you a lot do that of... live also? Yeah, yeah that's you... live. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, I do, do pre record it every callers? now and then. Do you take calls during the middle of the I night? I don't. Like it sounds like okay. I do. My wife, Kate, really wants me to have like a talk show portion, but I just can't be <laughs> responsible for the things that I would tell people or say to them in the middle of the night. <laughs> at all i'm like that's not a good idea <laughs> she's like it's a great idea oh um, you'd have to run like a huge disclaimer yeah i'm like i'm not a like, i am just a person with opinions <laughs> exactly <laughs> many opinions i probably think how you're doing it is wrong do you want to subject yourself to me um so there's that i I think the reason i do so many things if you follow me on instagram i am very active um it's probably because I had a baby really young. So I had my son when I was 20 and now I'm 42 and he's an adult and I am making up for lost time. Like all the things I didn't do as a younger person, um, I am definitely, I don't know, okay. I'm sober. So I'm not out partying. I'm just like living my life. <laughs> full, full tilt. So. You're just taking on all the hobbies and, I am. and things. Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, that's great. Um, So you, you were so prompt in sending me this list of tunes. <laughs> And I really appreciate that when the guest is like, I ask the guest and they're like, say less. And then like a couple days later, I get the list because a lot of this job as a as someone who does this podcast, I am I'm the king of the gentle reminder. Uh -huh. And I am constantly being like, hey, do you still want to do this? Yeah. How much more time do you need? Yeah. No worries if not. And so uh this was great and you sent me this spotify playlist which is really convenient um and so you've picked some some songs 10 songs 10 songs and i 
I'm fascinated to find out where all these fall in your life and kind of the order in which you put them in. Absolutely. So let's start from the top. I picked this list. Um, I had to just kind of do it fast and not think about it too much because if I overthought it, it w- you would have had to prompt me twenty times to send it. <laughs> I mean, how do you how do you define ten songs when you're a person who loves music? It's like you yeah, pick ten songs a month that are moving you. Um, so I started with Talking Heads and Burning Down the House because to me it is emblematic of. You know, someone who's in her early 40s, um, I was definitely the MTV age and I had really young parents. So my parents were both 20 when they had me as well. And so 1980s, early 80s, MTV was on constantly in our house. And it's just like burning down the house to me, talking heads um, is just emblematic of a particular moment in time where video art. And art school art and art school music became like a thing. And I just loved yeah. the Talking Heads so much. And I feel like they gave a very young me permission to be a weirdo um, in a time and place where like most people were really conventional. So, um, and so, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm a couple years younger than you, but I, um, I mean, I, my parents, my father really loved the Talking Heads and, I remember he had a lot of their records and uh, I think a couple of cassettes and yeah, this was on all the time. And, but I also was like someone who watched a lot of MTV, but it was just cause my parents were just like, well, here you go. We have cable. We're just going to turn this on. You can yeah. watch some videos and just be like, take care of yourself there, little, little dude. And so I was exposed to a lot of like popular music of the time Yes, that a lot of other people, my in like this demographic of like very late 30s into early 40s might not have had any kind of access to because totally. I just watched so much fucking cable as yeah. a kid. <laughs> That's really it. <laughs> yeah. Like I can't di- like divor- divorce MTV from my early musical upbringing.
my parents were like very conventional, like working class, rural-ish Maine. They like listen to classic rock. I love classic rock. I have some classic rock on here. Like that was their type. But at the same time, they were just like liberal or, or not liberal. My gosh, my dad was not liberal, but they were um, (laughs) stoners enough maybe to like that, that Venn diagram of like kind of hippie rocker with like anything goes um, was perfect for MTV. And so my mom would like, I, my bedroom door, I could see the TV from my bed when I was little. So I'd be like four years old and my parents would watch MTV at night, just like watch MTV. And I would watch from my bed and my mom would let me get up when I couldn't sleep because I was just watching MTV and like sit and watch MTV with her. So it was a real, strangely, like one of the last like bonding moments with my mom, who I have a complicated relationship with, but have a very strong relationship to like MTV, talking heads, watching MTV, early 80s, and like, it just being dark and the screen like flashing at you. So is this like, I mean, because this is so indicative of a of a time. And I mean, these, like, this is almost, I mean, over 40 years old now at this point. But like, do you go back to stuff like talking heads and like, this kind of like, early art rock art pop a lot like do you listen to this often or is this I like think I still something do that have- yeah okay okay um only because funnily enough um Chris Fonts who's the drummer for Talking Heads is mm-hmm. also a programmer at WPKN so I, oh, okay. I actually know him nominally and like run into him every now and then this is my only like celebrity music like name I was like, look at you, you're like Yale email address. No, Yale guy from talking so heads. pretentious. Flexing on all you fucking brokies. <laughs> but it's not like that. I actually insulted him on air once during a fundraiser, and I think like that was the end of our relationship because I kind of <laughs> called him sexist on air. Um, so, but he's married to Tina Weymouth, who I think is such a badass. And so like my most important self-important musical moment was like I was doing a show and Chris was in the studio and he was like Tina's listening she says you sound really good and I was like that's it I've died and gone to heaven Um, my four-year-old self cannot believe that this is how everything turned out so (laughs) yeah please don't be impressed though this is like such a janky like little shoestring you know enterprise it's just by being in the right place at the right time that I've met him and insulted him. I don't know. Him. I think it's, I think the <laughs> insulting him is more impressive. It's than so I funny. I was him. like, yeah. you're going to regret this. And I'm like, am I? <laughs> like, what is he going to do to me? <laughs> um, Anything else about this before we drastically <sighs> kind of switch things? No, I know. I could go on about all of these songs forever. Okay. So. <laughs> well, it is your, I mean, I am just the vessel for you to talk about. That's dangerous. <laughs> You're like, we're going to do a 10-hour podcast. Each song gets one hour. Absolutely.
first, is this song problematic? Okay, by, I have a lot like, to say it, about that. So okay, I, <laughs> I, I kind of forgot about, I mean, like, I didn't forget about Aerosmith because, yeah. uh, again, as somebody who grew up in the 80s and 90s, especially when Aerosmith had their, like, big comeback in 1993. Yes. Uh, and my mom bought the Get a Grip album and played the absolute shit out of it uh-huh. in our house. My um, mom should, so, like, hang. <laughs> <laughs> and so, like, I, I mean, like, Aerosmith was everywhere in my childhood. And I, rem- I like, I was obviously familiar with the song when I was younger. And I hadn't thought about it in, like, forever and i think a couple of years ago i thought about it or like i heard it somewhere and i was like oh that's probably bad like that's fascinating yeah so dude looks like a lady Uh the the parenthetical looks like a lady where where are we now i mean i'm assuming still in your your young years so my mom, Aerosmith was my mom's favorite band and my parents got divorced when I was eight and her first boyfriend bought me Permanent Vacation, which is the <laughs> album. It was like their comeback before their comeback in the 90s. Like they'd already kind of like fallen off and had a few flops and then they put out Permanent Vacation and this song and Janie's Got a Gun and oh, all Janie's Got a Gun is is a banger. Oh my sure. God, right? So do you look like, this is more MTV. This is the, the yeah. first and the last of the MTV um, songs for me, really. But the video, like, I just remember being absolutely fascinated. There's a scene where the video, it pans in, and it's the back of, like, a very large, um, quote-unquote, woman in a white wedding dress and someone in a tux, and then they turn around, and it's, like, a guy and a woman, right? So it's, like, this gender-bending and whatever. And I, as a queer person now, like, I didn't recognize it at the time, but, like, I could not get enough of, like, oh, my God, that's a man dressed as a woman, and that's a woman dressed like a man. And as I got older, I really, if you really listen to the song, and now I'm going to, like, problematic faves, right? Steven Tyler, I know there's, like, more shit than I possibly could ever dig up on like who he is as a person I don't honestly know that much but when you listen to the song it's very much in the like um sort of Lola vein yeah in that like he's attracted to this person he's turning the other cheek he wants to be like having a sexual relationship with this trans woman and the lyrics are really pretty clear about that. There are some lines that I'd be like, yeah, we would not go there today. But I think it was like, it it was a double signal for people. Like guys, like your traditional masculine, like dudes could listen to it and be like, haha, that's funny. Mm-hmm. But like, it's coded queer to me in a way that I just will, I will go to my grave on that. Is this the hill you're going to die on? This is the hill I will die on. It is. Dude looks like a lady. I will. I will will die on this hill.
there's also a moment in the video where he's wearing like fake breasts and he's like touching himself and like he's dressed as a woman like very it's just one quick scene where he's like running his own hands down his sides and I'm like Stephen Tyler I'm so sorry that you were born in whatever year you were born in and can't you know come out as a trans woman but like um and all the internalized transphobia and homophobia that probably goes with that and him and Mick Jagger and the rest of them but like it it rocked my little world. Like I, again, was just like, I don't know. It just spoke to me. I didn't know it at the time. I didn't come out till I was in my early twenties. So it was not like I was born gay and knew it the second I, you know, first had a crush on someone, but I loved that video and that song, um, the whole album really was just like summer of whatever year that came out, um, 87 or whatever. So yeah. Um, this sounds like a think piece waiting to happen. I know I, that you used to write. Is that a side hustle? I've you written gave about up? this. Uh, it, okay. it, it lives on a medium.com uh, link from 2017 that I am happy to share with you. It, I would love it to see the light of day, but it's in the crevices of the internet. Okay. Yeah, I did. I was like looking at because you have like a little like Lincoln bio yeah. doodab on your Instagram page yeah. and it has like all your various hustles and the writing. Do, is there a reason you don't, do you just not have time to write anymore? Because it's it's been a number of years since you have put anything. I think I got scared. Page. I finished my PhD oh, okay. and I hated, like, I felt so overwhelmed as a grad student and then I did not want to be a professor in any way, shape or form. And then I, um, I started doing a lot of visual stuff. It is time. It's also just like, I feel like there's really hard to get a platform and I don't it's so awful but I'm like who am I without an audience and who's like reading this and um yeah no I have the, I answer I ask myself those same questions all <laughs> like, the time yeah and so I I want to write like a book of essays about music you know like the same way you do you do these deep yeah. dives and there it's like so much and so great and powerful and interesting and then I I just um yeah it's mostly time I think and a little bit of fear Um, you want to get into the next one here? Let's We're really switching gears. I, oh yeah, this so, is the opposite. <laughs> so here's the thing with like, so I was not familiar with about half of these on okay. the list, or like I, I knew the artist and I didn't yeah. know the song or whatever. It's like, oh, that's a name I recognize. This is the one where I was like, huh, what's this? And then I was playing <laughs> it when I was, I don't remember what I was doing. I was doing something and listening to this playlist on my headphones. And it's kind of like, wow, this is really intense. Yeah. And so tell me about Crass. Oh, man. I am such a little Crass, like, fan. 
I I would probably say Penis Envy is probably my favorite album of all time um, in high school. So I found, like I mentioned earlier, I was raised in rural Maine and uh, very like kind of backwards, pretty conservative, at least like what would now be like Tea Party or Trump type politics my family is great real fun um and i was this little like feminist i found uh the handmaid's tale and i found womanhood or sisterhood is powerful at like a goodwill and sassy magazine um oh sassy yeah so i found those and i my mom was in a lot of abusive relationships and i just fashioned myself as the feminist like it was riot girl early 90s combat boots the whole bit and Crass was a band that like I had this punk rock boyfriend, Luke, and he liked Crass. And this was the only album that was like heavily um, sung by the women in the band and was like really a feminist anarchist album. The rest of them were pretty straightforward, like punk rock. And I love all of their albums, really. But this one, um, Beta Motel, is just kind of like a screed against objectification. And I... You know, the second wave feminist in me in 1993 or whatever, when I was listening to this, like loved it. I was just like, I don't want anybody to sexualize me again. I wasn't out, um, but I just had this immense reaction to the sort of intense, like you said, it's just an intense, intense song. And I loved it. I could sing it in my sleep. I wish like I sometimes I'm like, man, why don't they have crass at karaoke? Like <laughs> I want to I sing this song at karaoke. Um, maybe they can. How, wild, how, how wild and unhinged would it be if you showed up to some to karaoke and somebody is doing any kind of punk, song, like anything. I, I dream like, about it with this song and another song by them called systematic death. I just want to do those at karaoke so badly. That's like, should be on my bucket list of things to do before I die. You know, now I'm like, okay, there's problems with this song in that it's like women can't, you know, we know now in our infinite wisdom of 2022 or whatever I want to say about that, that like you can be a woman and you can wear lipstick and high heels and be completely sexually empowered. Um, I don't agree with the message of this song anymore, but I do agree and identify with its intent, um, with, with its sort of underlying ethos. And Crass, like, you know, they're so stylized, like they were very, very big in the sort of aesthetic of punk and crass is is fairly interesting. 
another Yale connection. This is wild. You want to hear the wildest thing that has ever happened is about two years ago, somehow Yale's Beinecke Library got all of the crafts archives. So I got to go in and like flip through like all their stencils and their papers. I don't know who even was responsible. I sent like a fever email being like, if you need someone to help you catalog this, like I'll help you do it. (laughs) And they never got back to me. Um, So fine, whatever. Um, Missed opportunity for them, I guess. But like I can actually just like go into the library now and look at their papers. Um, I don't know. That's so bizarre that that would just end up. Yeah, it's weird. You walk into the the marble ivory tower and there's like Yale um, craft stencils like on display. It's so funny. Um, (laughs) Another really funny thing that happened recently for this completely mostly unknown band um, is that my friend uh, has a son and uh, her husband and her, her her husband's Korean and his parents live in, in South Korea and um, they bought a backpack for her son and it had like a crass symbol like all over it the like their their logo and I was like why does your son have a crass backpack and she's like what is that and so it's been it's one of those things that just kind of has signifies punk rock without anybody really knowing what it is and I think that is hilarious. Oh yeah, I'm just looking up their logo on on my phone cuz I have too many tabs going on the computer. Yeah. Um yeah, I've not I I don't know if I've ever seen this before, but it's like there are so many iconic punk yeah, things yeah, yeah. that then get kind of just like put into the zeitgeist totally. like the the Joy Division waves. Totally. Yeah. And, right. Yeah. I have the I have that t-shirt, only it's cats, right? Like, you know. I was staring at the sky, just looking for a star to pray on or wish on or something like that. I was having a sweet fix of a daydream of a boy whose reality I knew was a hopeless to be had. But then the dove of hope began its downward slope and I believe for a moment that my chances were approaching to be grail but as it came down near so did a weary tear I thought it was a bird but it was just a paper bag hunger hurts and I want them so bad I would kill this cause I know I'm a messy don't wanna clean up I got the focus drastically nope, switch gears once more this is uh again the, one of the things that i love about when people send me their list and it's in like a very specific order whether it's like autobiographical or it's like kind of whatever works together yeah. sequentially is how you get from something as brash as the this crass song to fiona apple oh, and then like yeah. where we go from there like it's just like the jumps that people it just gets make sad and, like... and angsty after then and less fun <laughs> that's where it happens with this list <laughs> so you know early childhood oh, let's angry teenager um, straight yeah. into depression for the rest of eternity so here we are with fiona apple. The, vibes, the vibes i know um, yes 
Fiona Apple paper bag were in 1999. Uh-huh. Um, so you are I'm um, 20. Like I'm having 20? my yeah. son. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So I graduated high school in 97. So this is a chronological order. Okay. Um, for sure. Um, yeah. So Fiona Apple, I don't need to rehash who Fiona Apple is for anybody listening. I Fiona Apple, you... ever heard of her? <laughs> this is a little singer, <laughs> songwriter. You may have heard of her. She, um, you know, I loved her when she, we're like the same age, you know? So like I identified with her in high school. My mom actually really liked Fiona Apple. Um, she actually had a pug named Princess Fiona Apple. So uh, for oh. a while. Um, but I'm definitely the bigger Fiona Apple fan in the family. Um, I loved, I loved title. And then when the pawn came out, I was 20. I was having a baby. Um, I was very certain that I should not be in a relationship with at least my son's father, let alone men in general. Um, and I was angsty and paper bag. I don't, maybe I just am like such a, a, I'm a little self-absorbed and I just like imagine karaoke. This is another karaoke song where I'm like, <laughs> there's something about her, her range is like, I can sing in her range too. So it's like, she's one of those singers where it's comfortable to sing along because it never gets to the point where I feel embarrassed for myself, even when I'm alone. Um, and so this song is, is one of those songs where I just like the physical pleasure of belting it out is so viscerally satisfying to me. Um, and like most of her songs, like it's really, it's not, it's, I hate to be like Fiona Apple's angry and like, that's such a, you know, what does that even mean? And she's not, yeah. and she is. I'm, but Well, it's like, yeah, it's not all of them. It's some of them. It's not all of them. It's some of them, right. And so Paper Bag is just kind of like, it's it's got the sort of classic bluesy, like there's more, it feels more of a standard or like a jazzy historical, like she's really reaching back to the roots of her musical uh, influences in this. And, and the singing is very much like a, a person, you know, like a woman, singing in a nightclub right like it's just smoky and she's 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 singing even though if it's, it's not like entirely jazzy in in melody or sound just hit hit all the right places I was not in a good relationship I needed to like 
float away and Fiona Apple was my my Do you still whatever. ride hard? Do you still ride pretty hard for oh, Fiona? Oh, I do. Totally. Okay. I'm pretty sure that I may have stalked out where she lives in Venice Beach um a couple of years ago <laughs> when I was in California. <laughs> that was not attractive. Um yeah, I'm a I am a ride or die Fiona Apple. Okay. I'm like five albums. Every single one of them is brilliant. I wish more artists would wait until they have something yeah. to give us. Yeah. Like, that was my that was my 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 thought with um Fetch the Bolt Cutters. It was like A, she doesn't owe us anything. No. But B, like this is the statement that she needs to make at this time. Yes. And yeah. she doesn't like I think I feel like the people have finally I feel like between when the pawn and then the when um extraordinary, extraordinary machines, machines kind of yeah. held up in limbo and then remixed and re- released yeah. with like with it's not the same as like the leaked version or whatever yeah. but um i feel like people were kind of like in the late 90s early 2000s were not like thrilled with her artistic temperament in terms of kind of like no i don't want to release an album every other it, year yeah. i don't want to and so like and i think now people who are that like have that much agency over their artistic output there's more respect and understanding for that now yes which is like cool i mean like people were never like oh fuck fiona apple she only has like these four albums whatever whatever i think people get it now and why there are only four or five albums and why she takes so long in between albums because she's like maybe she doesn't want to put out a fucking album and tour in support of it exactly she just doesn't and and watching the sort of like fuck Fiona Apple because she is a bratty teenager to the like Fiona Apple is the most accomplished and you know best living musician of our time like that spectrum between yeah. 1996 and now is also like so interesting to watch it's just such a good example with very clear historical moments each album is like a particular era between yeah, you know sure. over the over my lifetime where it's just like watching even the how the media and people treat women female musicians is just she is it's like such a good case study for that but i i am a ride or die not because i think she's not a flawed human being i never ever think that about any you know <laughs> musician or whatever but i yeah. really i like how she continues to push herself too as an yeah. artist and like especially yeah. with um the last two like the idlers wheel that's my favorite how percussive they are and how like rough around the edges things can be and it's not like people who want more of the same of like oh you just make another title or whatever bunch of piano songs it's like that's she just wants like there's such a visceral quality to so many of her like latter-day tunes that i i really appreciate that she's yeah, unafraid she, to push herself into those directions. She kind of reminds me of Tom Waits in that, like stripping down to the percussive. The the older she gets, in the and yeah. subsequent albums become more percussive, and um, she just gives less and less of a. I don't. I don't know if she ever gave a damn, honestly. She, um, well, it's very. It's very obvious now that she does not. She, yeah, and, like, exactly. People, yeah. I think people are more okay with that or like willing to understand why that's the case yeah 
It's four in the morning, the end of December. I'm writing you now just to see if you're better. New York is cold, but I like where I'm living. There's music on Clinton Street all through the evening. I hear that you're building your little house deep in the desert. You're living for nothing now. I hope you're keeping some kind of record. Yes, and Jane came by with a lock of your hair. She said that you gave it to her that night that you planned to go clear. So, right. um, going from Fiona, we're headed to Leonard Cohen, famous blue raincoat. And so, like, I, I mean, obviously, I wasn't like Leonard Cohen. Who's that? But like, I've never found in, like an access point to Leonard Cohen. I've never sat down and listened to him before. Yeah. And I like this tune, but I was also kind of like, what's a, like? How does one go about getting into him? And like, where's the <laughs> like? How does where is a where's like a good starting point with him? Uh, uh, um, that's a great question. This is like the most embarrassing starting point for me. So I. <laughs> Um, I grew up like listening to Dylan on my own. My parents were not into Dylan. I loved Bob Dylan and really listened to a lot of Bob Dylan in high school. And then like, this was my early twenties before I split up with my son's dad and like all the dudes that I was friends with loved Leonard Cohen. And I had never heard of him at that point. Like I'm, you know, in Maine, I'm whatever. And I'm like Leonard too. And so they would just like, you know, so this is very much a like, uh, uh, I was the girl who hung out with the music guys and like got into Leonard Cohen. I don't know his cat. I mean, his catalog is just like vast and not, yeah. you know, I'm not interested in Leonard Cohen in that sort of way, but um, songs of love and hate. I really did love so much and famous blue raincoat. Like it's, I appreciate I, I think like what I appreciated about it so much was that it is a writer's song and he's such a writer's like musician because he he writes these songs that are like Dylan or he's a storyteller and um, famous blue raincoat is a letter uh, to a friend. Um, it sounds like it's, you know, to me, it could be to anyone, um, but there's just something about that letter format that I feel like works here. Like it could be mm -hmm. so hard to do to do that like it could be really easy to mess it up like i'm gonna write a song and it's gonna be a letter and um but it doesn't it's just beautiful it's beautiful to me <laughs> well i see james away she sends her regards possibly say I guess that I miss you I guess I forgive you I'm 
glad you stood in my way If you ever come by here For Jane or for me Well, your enemy is sleeping And his woman is free Yes, thanks For the trouble you took from I thought it was there for good, so I never tried. And Jane came by with a lock of your hair. She said that you gave it to her that night that you planned. Go clear. Sincerely, El Cohen. But famous blue raincoat is just like, man, what happens when? when relationships break down and like how do you keep in touch with people that there's like a universe between you and um it all just kind of gets filtered through this letter and this object so I, I think I also just really like that there's this visual object to sort yeah. of rotate the song around for me um I think like Leonard Cohen as like French Canadian, like there was some of that for me because I, again, in Maine and my family's uh, Franco-American. And um, so there was definitely a little bit of the like, oh, this is like our Bob Dylan. Um, <laughs> and when you go to Montreal, it's like Leonard Cohen's everywhere. It's like, he's, you know, their national hero. So there is a little bit of that for me too. I think that maybe doesn't translate in the U.S. if you are French Canadian or Franco-American. Yeah. Okay. Should I should I try at this point in my life to get it into Leonard Cohen? Or do you think that so. ship has no. sailed? No. And, okay. <laughs> I think that ship has sailed. <laughs> cool. <clears throat> don't feel bad I about it. I, I, I did like the song, but I'm just kind of like, I, I don't see myself sitting down with this and being like, yeah, I want to listen to Leonard Cohen today. Yeah, I don't think I do that very often. There's a few songs <laughs> um, like this, for instance, oh, where I just man. love it. The Partisan, love that. Love The Partisan. It's so like, revolutionary angst i don't know there's some good ones but no you don't need to do that nobody's gonna make you do that and microphones above the jealous mouths that's where you found yourselves 
Riding into the sun On a raft made for one Jumping ahead pretty drastically in time with Laura Veers. Yeah. Again, she, I like, I, I recognize this album cover. I recognize her name because she did that collaborative joint with, um, Nico Case and yep. Katie Lang. Yes. And yeah. like, I really, I really liked that album a lot when it came out. Yep. But so Laura Veers, where gravity is dead, kind of, where are we now in your, in we your are, we're in my twenties. Okay. I have come out. I have, um, <laughs> left my son with his dad and moved to the Midwest with my lesbian professor. It's a bad scene. It's a bad scene. Where, where in the Midwest? Columbus, Ohio. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Which I love Columbus, Ohio. Everyone's like, what is wrong with you? And I'm like, I love Columbus. Yeah. Ohio. Um, they don't get it, but it was like a shelter for me when I was coming out. Um, and I had this wasn't my first girlfriend, that girlfriend, like that ended badly quickly, but I had this girlfriend, Kelly, who was like, <laughs> I hope she, she's, there's no way she's never going to hear this. She was an accountant <laughs> for BMW and she was like, so upwardly mobile establishment lesbian. And I was like 24, 25 and an alcoholic and like had left my son for, you know, a year at that point And like, was so in such bad shape, such bad shape. And I got this job teaching uh, at Ohio Wesleyan. Actually, I was like an office manager person. And then I also taught in their creative writing for Upward Bound. And so Kelly and I, like we would go to Barnes and Noble and they'd have all these CDs that you could just listen to. Yeah, um, I remember when, those days. Yeah. yeah, so like I found a lot of music that way that I just otherwise. Same, yeah. yeah I kind of miss that. I'm like, why can't I just go? I do too. It's not the same as having Spotify. Like I want someone to curate, like here's something you might want to, you know, I, I don't when know. When I was in college, I spent so much money. We didn't have a Barnes and Nobles in my college town. We had a Borders. Shout out to Borders, RIP to the place I pissed away so much money. But It might um, have been Borders. I can't remember. I think it was Barnes and Noble though. But yeah. But they had the little scanny doodabs. Yeah. And you would, you would put on the headphones, which nowadays I'm just kind of like, wow, who else had those headphones on? I would have I to know. force those <laughs> ship them shit down with Purell before I put them on my face. But totally. you could scan, you could scan the barcode of the disc yeah. and it would play a little bit of each, like a couple songs of the album. Yeah. And I would stand there and my, my friends from college would be like, yo, are you almost done? I'm like, hold on, I'm trying to find something to buy. And yeah. I would just be like, which weird idiosyncratic indie album am I yes. holding in my hand? Am yes. I going to go home with today? Yes. So I'm glad that that would like that other people had that. Ex- like, I totally had that, had experience. that same experience. Yeah. Yes. And that's where this and, album comes from. And this and okay. Cat Power and there's like others from that era of like the mid 2000s where like. Yeah, I'm Laura like, Veers has big, I bought this in a bookstore energy. Totally, right? She's this. a Starbucks like car- CD at the checkout. Totally. Riding up there to the sun On a single raffle one Don't you wish for someone
I was in the Midwest and she's, of course, like the Pacific Northwest and all of the songs on this album are very um, oceany. Like they just evoke beachy, like, you know, fog and seaweed and whatever. And, and I grew up more in the mountains in Maine and inland, but like also had a lot of not very far from the coast, um, only like 40 minutes or so. And so it felt like home to me, but I also had this drive that was like an hour to Ohio Wesleyan, which is in Delaware, Ohio from Columbus one way and like plus traffic and all that. And so this was one of those CDs that I just listened to on repeat because I bought it. I had a car with a CD player and this, this one just lived in my CD player. And there's so many songs on this album that I love, but my dad had just died when I came out and um, he was 45 and he had epilepsy and he died in his sleep from a seizure and he suffocated which is like so gruesome. The anniversary is actually in like two days. So it's been many, 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 many years, obviously he died in 2003. But this song is like, if you listen to the lyrics, it's really about someone just, I'm pretty sure it's about an overdose, like someone just kind of leaving their body and floating above the ground and, and entering the stratosphere. But it's just so loving and kind and like, trying to like call back a person. And so it really hit all the grief spots for me, for sure, where it just became a song about my dad, who I was really close to. Um, I lived with my dad from the time I was 13 until I graduated from high school. And I just feel like, you know, he, he kind of raised me more than my mom. And he died so unexpectedly. And right as I was coming out at a really bad moment um, with my son's dad and everything, like it was not a good, good situation. But the song to me is forever going to be just a like sad miss miss my dad uh living in the midwest driving through the fields wanting a landscape that was different all of it so scoot in the next one yep. We're, again switching gears and this takes me back to a different time 2006 yep. tv on the radio yep and this was my introduction well the, i don't know if this was my introduction to tv on the radio because this was such a big single and they were such a like a popping band at this yes. point but um a friend of mine in college tried to get me into uh some of their early stuff uh-huh. And it just, I don't remember why it made me so uncomfortable, but I was like, <laughs> this is kind of spooky and I don't like it. Yeah. And so, but then this, this tune came out and they were like, they were everywhere. And I was like, 
I can kind of get into this. It's like spooky but accessible. Yes. Um. So kind of where is this another? I found this at Barnes and Noble, or like no, where are we nope. now with this? I'm one? back okay. in Maine, so I okay. I I moved back to Maine in 2006. Um, I met someone after I moved back, like online. It was like my first online. You know, I think we met through MySpace. Um, oh, I thought you were going to be like an. I was in an AOL chat room. Nope, not nope. <laughs> it was, was MySpace, I believe. Um, I think there it wasn't AOL though, but um. They were like my my partner for a long time, um, for like a decade almost, and they loved TV on the radio. And I was like, I thought there was a time probably in my life where TV on the radio could do no wrong. Like Return to Cookie Mountain. I also love Desperate Youth, um, Bloodthirsty Babes, which came out before, but I like mm-hmm. listened to a couple years later because I hadn't heard it when it came out. I really um, have not been as much into them except for their sort of big big albums i thought like nine types of light was okay and seeds was okay but i'm really like a tv on the radio day fan yeah exactly and i feel like of any band that like i mean there's a million examples of this of like bands that just like were huge and inescapable and like in kind of indie centric world in the mid two thousands. So many of them have like fallen off so sharply Yeah, and TV on the radio. Unfortunately, like this is such a, like this is representative of such a time for me. Me too. And, and I, you know, I don't even know if this is like really the song. I think I just was like, Oh, I got to pick a song by them. Cause it was like, (laughs) I listened to those two albums so much. And this one's like identifiable. This is the one I, I'm like, I'm so sick of it. I listen to it so much. Like I can't even listen to it anymore. So does it deserve a place on the list? As I was listening to some of these, I was like, oh, if I ever hear this song again, I can't hear this song ever again. And I'm like, does it deserve to be on my list if I don't want to hear it? But then I was like, it's really indicative how much I listen to it. Open my heart and let it bleed on yours. 
I drove myself over the edge with listening to Wolf Like Me. <laughs> Every time I was like in a new relationship for a while, it was like, it's so sexual, you know? It's like, I yeah, love it, it for is. that. I'm like, it's not, it's to me the perfect rock sex song in that it's artistically sexual and not a like obscene way, but it's still so dirty. And so I love that about it. I think that's really hard to pull off without it just being like crass or you know like yeah. or, or or superficial yeah. um and so for for like an indie rock band to write such a sexual song that is so explicit and like driven because it's very like the beat and everything it's driven it is unrelenting yes yeah and i love that and so for that reason i no longer think about it as a sex song but i do think about it as a workout song so i was gonna say this i was like i bet like if you're gonna go for a run or something just be like yeah let's fucking go just put on this tune and just cruise i'm like yeah i'm getting into shape look at my muscles wolf like me (laughs) so so I I gave them a spot for that. Okay, reason. I like it. Yeah. I'm glad that you cool. could could find your way back to this. I one. do, I do. Even though I sometimes still just skip past it because I can't take listening to it even one more time. <laughs> you know, I still have this CD somewhere in my house. I should revisit it. It's been probably it's a, a decade. Great since album. I've, like every since I've song. Taken a, a listen. Yeah, they that that was just like a moment, man. So good. And this, I was very surprised by this. I really liked this a lot, but I absolutely know nothing about it. And sometimes I occasionally do a little like uh, Googling before yeah. a show to see like, oh, who the fuck is this song yeah. now? And what is this? So I don't sound like a total uncultured buffoon when we get on I the don't microphone think that here. Is possible, but but no. oh man, I don't, there's been there's been some times where I've just like, yeah, I don't know. Um, just, I get but, it. But with this one, uh, what? This is like kind of a Pink Floyd cover, but also like it's so deconstructed yeah. that by the time I figured out that it was a Pink Floyd cover, because I had it on my headphones and was yeah. like doing something else and it was just playing, I was like, yo, shit, this is real good. So yes. tell me about where I'm we so are. I'm glad you had that response to it. Yeah. Yeah, no, I really dug this a lot. And I was like, kind of like, damn, like I don't really bang with Pink Floyd at all, but this is like 
so they really done something this is a with this great song. cover it's a great cover and i do bang with pink floyd oh boy <laughs> i didn't put any pink floyd on here just to save your listeners from you having to sample pink floyd songs for from subjecting them to that so instead i picked the best cover of a pink floyd song that i think has ever been done a song that is so iconic i mean wish you were here is what yeah, it learns is on their of, guitar it is, right like, it is it is one of the more iconic pink floyd tunes and that so if you can to. take the most iconic song and then really like you said deconstruct it and i just feel like she made this song so own. who is this person? So, Leah Isis? Yeah, so she is a Connecticut native. She's from Westport, which will mean okay. nothing unless you're from Connecticut. And you know that means you might as well be from Greenwich, which might mean something to people. It is super bougie. I was like, look at how regionally specific we're getting. It's so regionally specific. She, I came across her... Um, this was actually the first song I heard by her, and I loved it so much that I was like, wow, I have to hear this. And then I went to Grown Unknown was the album that came out right around the same time, and I loved it. Isis came out in 2014. It, again, was just like a totally different vibe. Also loved it. Her most recent album, I was so ready to love. It had been seven years. Don't love it as much.
her first it? album i i spent an incredible amount of money on discogs to buy because it's like you know i just needed to have the we could talk about that on another episode of i was just gonna say do should we how much of this how much of what's left with the time should we talk about our, our unhealthy relationship with discogs? <laughs> exactly. well this might be a good place to bring it up um so i just i i loved this song she is um i think she now she's a little bit insufferable as a human, I think that's such a horrible, I mean, I'm, she may be very, very lovely, but she now lives in California with like her very blonde barefoot children and her husband and they own a winery. And like, it's just like, not, it's just so California. I can't abide it. I don't want to know anything about her life because it's just so hard for me to like I'm like no I don't want to see your children running around naked while you drink wine and with a flower crown like I just don't want to see it (laughs) so like I feel awful I'm sorry I'm sorry Leah you are probably so nice but please oh flower crown that's like big Coachella energy yeah yes exactly and so that's but her music she's so talented her first album is I just don't know anybody else doing what she does. I don't even know how to talk about it, like musically. Um, but what you hear in this song, I think if like you're looking for an end to, to kind of how she um, structures her music mm-hmm. and, the, and the way she's thinking about songwriting and, and melody, this is the perfect, perfect example. And it is an entirely different event than listening to Wish You Were Here by Pink Floyd. And so many bands have covered this song. Like I yeah. can't even, you know. You could go on Spotify yeah. and click Wish You Were Here and there'd be 200 different versions. But this to me is is the best one. Okay. Um, how are things going with your discogs? Both um, the, the, I don't, the I don't, big, yeah, things, nothing. Things coming in, things going out. Yeah. So, so for your listeners, that's how we met was that you Yeah, I, us- I was going to do, I was going to do an, in, <laughs> like I always do an intro before each episode uh, in the post-production process. And I was going right. to mention cool. that I bought a Kississippi record off of you. Yes. Uh, last fall and then you had your instagram link on your discogs page and i started following you and that's how we became internet friends but so yeah. Yeah, and we also are, are kind of like we both know that we each have a problem with buying stuff off of discogs yeah. or at least yeah. like i i've really tried to curb the amount of um shit that i am bad. buying it's pretty bad. so i have bought <laughs> way less stuff but i can't really say that i have been able to significantly curb my vinyl buying and Uh, you know okay i have but it's just um there's something about i gotta get off of the mailing list of like (laughs) pre-orders or like extra (laughs) hot pink double four album set with the signed you know insert and i'm like you got me again yeah (laughs) i I see those emails come through and i'm just like Oh, I don't know. No, don't tell me about the colored variants. Yeah, don't it's tell so me stupid. about no, no. Yeah, yeah. But I, I can't, I can't get out of it. So Discogs, I only started because someone was like, you could just put all your records and you'd have an archive. And I was like, yeah. So I did that. And then the only things I sell on there are things that I, in my manic buying phases, I have bought so many copies that I actually have extras to sell. So when you, <laughs> so those are things that are accidentally, I bought two or three of them. Okay so bad um you bought a Kissippi album and I was like who is this person who's buying I'm curious because it's not like I don't know it's just curious when someone you really like or album you really like you know someone else buys it you kind of want to know who else is into it so that is how we met 
I'm really glad it happened. I don't really keep up with Discogs. Um, if I wanted to really push it, I guess I could sell. But the other thing is my wife is always like, you know, I'm like, well, this is worth this much. And now I know how much it's worth and look at how much it's selling on Discogs. And she's like, are you selling it on Discogs? And I'm like, I'm not. <laughs> but if I, theoretically, I could. Like, but I could, but I could. And she's like, who's I, buying your $10,000 worth of lesbian singer songwriter collection? Like, who's buying that, Michelle? Nobody's buying it. Nobody's buying like it. The, you're like the queer community needs me. I am. I'm like, records. someday I shall bequeath my collection to her story. <laughs> I still dream of organon. I wake up crying. You'll make it And you're just in reach. When you sleep, escape me. So Kate Bush, and this is the second time Kate Bush has recently appeared on the podcast. And the conversation I had with the gal who picked a different Kate Bush song, uh, we talked about how I want to like Kate Bush, but she frightens me. So. Yeah, I'm. And, I understand. And yep. I, I, I fear that like my time to tr- really be okay and comfortable with it has has ceased. Because I try and I'm just like, oh, but you're so witchy and there's something uncomfortable happening and I want to like this, but I just get like a weird kind of like, it's a spooky feeling where I want to hide behind a pillow. Yeah. And... But like, so this is, <laughs> this is you're, uh, you're like, and that's why I love it. Um, um, no, I have the same kind of, I think I have the same feeling. Like this is late. How do you on... get, how do you how do you get past it then? And this yeah. is so late on the list, so we got to be so late on the list. Like, it's really present, recent. Present day. Yeah. Okay. Yep. So it was only a few years ago that I so like the one of my exes had like a mixtape in the mid two thousands that put like Hounds of Love on a on a mixtape for me, and I had known who she was, and I just was like, nope, sorry, take my lesbian card. I can't get into Kate Bush, <laughs> and suddenly. <laughs> Because it's like, you know, there's a few. There's like Regina Spector, Kate Bush. Like, if you don't love them, then you get kicked out. But I could not do it for so long. I think she's really hard. She's difficult to to get into. And I'm still not like a huge Kate Bush is everything. There's songs that I, I love so much that I they are like my most listened to songs on repeat. And then there's just whole vast swaths of her catalog that I, I haven't touched yet. And I'm kind of like, so my wife also is just like, no. Um, but then like cloud bursting was used on a season of the handmaid's tale. And like, I, 
saw my wife like being like into it um as it was do playing, y'all, we were do, watching, y'all, do y'all watch you'll watch that together we just started she wouldn't watch it for okay. years and i was like fine we won't watch it and then she wanted to watch it and then she binge watched it so i like watched it again and okay because my like, my that's the reason we have hulu because my wife wanted to watch the handmaid's tale and yeah i was kind of like i don't know if i'm interested in this i might just do some other stuff around the yeah. house and then like, yep. i will occasionally come into the room when it's on yeah and i will look at the tv and i will see yes some and you'll be like, shit no. that i do not want to particularly see yeah and i'm like Yo, why are you watching this? It's so like, awful. It's like shit. it's torture. It's like torture porn a little bit. It's pretty bad. It really is. Like sometimes I'm like, is this irresponsible? Like to, to make this as a human in this day and age. My wife wouldn't watch it for years for the same reason. But cloud bursting came on. They used it at the end of maybe the I don't remember what season. Like the third season, maybe. And I could see her just being like into it. And I'm like, oh yeah, she's she's connecting to Kate Bush. I'm gonna get her. I'm reeling her in. only because i have the same like kind of weird late coming to kate bush this was it for me cloud bursting or cloud busting was it sorry i keep calling it cloud bursting cloud busting was it and then i looked up like the meaning behind the song and again she's kind of a storyteller i think that there are just like certain songs that once there is a switch and i don't know what the switch is i don't know when it will hit and when it won't but i feel like everyone potentially has a kate bush switch I don't think that about Leonard Cohen. I do think there's a Kate Bush switch that if you are exposed to the right songs, you will like get it. But she is terrifying and spooky. Um, 
Yeah. Is it just me who feels that way? Because for the longest time, I was like, people love Kate Bush. People always talk about how great she is. And I'm like, yeah, some of these songs are cool and I really like them. But I'm also like, but then it looks like she's like peering into my soul and I'm not into, I'm not into it. So I hope that switch can still happen for me. I hope so too. I think that it's possible. Wuthering Heights, I could not get into for years. And then suddenly it was like my most listened to song. Like it was like, you listened to Wuthering Heights 711 times this year. Um, And then someone was like, hey, are you good? Are you okay? (laughs) It worked. And we're so recent with this one. This is very and with this, recent. This group, Big Thief. The yeah. they're they're very they're so very popular right they're now. So popular, and they are so prolific. Like I can't keep up. Them and Angel Olsen. I'm like, could you stop putting out albums? I don't <laughs> have the money. Why don't you understand? Yeah. I don't have the money Big to Thief, buy all. I mean, music. I don't know. So they they did like two albums in one year. Yes, and then she adrian linker put out her double album solo yep. album and now big thief is is back with a, du- an, a double yes. album yes. yeah i don't know how they find the time to do that but so this is this is called not and so how how did you get like i do not really i like adrian linker's solo stuff yeah this and is like I a rock not... to me i think it gets okay. back to like it's the perfect intersection of like my classic rock. Like there is like a there is a guitar break solo in the middle where like she's just rocking for like five minutes, right? Like it's just stupid. It's like very classically like the the moment where the guitarist steps out into the spotlight and just like yeah. shreds. And so I think that and it's the most ambivalent song ever written. Like I don't even know what it means. Like every 
it sounds so straightforward when you listen to the lyrics and I am perpetually baffled um, by what the song is even talking about. And I I think, isn't that part of their deal? Like they're very, they're not mysterious. They're just kind of aloof. Like they have this like this very aloof vibe to them. They do. Although I think in real life, like they might be like the nicest person ever. I saw uh, Adrian Lenker solo doing like very quiet uh, show, very intimate at space ballroom in Hamden, Connecticut, which is right outside New Haven. And, um, it was such a good show. Right. And it was so sweet and not aloof. And then like when I went to see them in New- in Brooklyn, right before COVID, they were touring on this album and the opening band was Pale Hound and um, Adrian Lenker came up and was like in the balcony, like standing right next to me. And I was like, Oh my God, I'm going to die. And I'm not like that. It, really not. I don't care who you are. I told Chris Franz off on radio on the air, but like I nearly had a celebrity panic attack, like, and they just seemed really nice. They were like holding some girl, you know, like being chill. And I was just like, okay. And then they went down and like shredded and played not. And then COVID hit. So
But how do you get it? Like, how did you get into Big Thief? Or did you get into Adrian Linker's solo stuff first? No, I got uh, Masterpiece probably was the first album I listened to and bought when I started buying vinyl back in like 2014, which seems like um, not that long ago. Um, But it is kind of a while ago. Um, I I mean, we've all lived through many lives in the last two years. Yeah, yeah. 2014 2014 is not that long ago, but it's also like... I was a totally different person back then. Totally. And I I think they were just like masterpiece and like they were, they hit the new like vinyl, like people buying vinyl again, that moment in indie music, whatever that means now, but like they were there at the right time and in the right place, I think, to like really get people to buy vinyl Uh, and they positioned themselves well with with producing vinyl. Um, And I think that, that that crowd just kind of grew. Uh, that's my sense. I don't know. That is entirely, entirely based on nothing. There are no facts <laughs> behind that statement. I just made a proclamation you're, as though I know an, what you're, I'm talking you're about. You're analyzing sc- sound scan data to be like, <laughs> after Big Thief vinyl sales started to skyrocket, bro. Right. Like, you can't deny like, the numbers. What am I saying to you on air, like, on the recording that's going to be sent out into the universe? I, I have no idea if that's true or not, but I feel like I was the demographic they were going for, and I was right there, primed and ready for capitalism. So, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I mean, that makes no that that kind of tracks. I mean, I guess I I started buying records kind of off and on in like the mid to late two thousands as I could, but not every, it was like, that was still when not everything by everyone was being pressed on vinyl. Yeah. Yeah. And then it just like slowly started becoming more of a thing. And I think into the 2010s, like there was a larger push with artists doing that. So yeah, like that, that, that kind of like that checks out, I think. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I feel, I feel like it might, um, I, um yeah it, it it's my particular in with them and like they were just like being heavily promoted when I started buying vinyl and I think that's how I got into them but like okay. also I the, I am their demographic 1000% <laughs> they're just I am who they're marketing that that I'm it I'm a stereotype I'm fine with it I'm too old to not be a stereotype <laughs> I don't care so um, we made it through your list. This was such a rollicking know, fun time. It? Thank you so much. No, I can't. Um, thank you so much for, oh, this was a blast. Thank you for taking the time to make a, yeah. a list of tunes and having stories to, to share and for taking time out of your day. Cause you have like a million different things going on. Oh my on. gosh. And no, this is so fun. To talk. Just... This was a lot of fun. Oh my God. We'll talk anytime. Anybody, anybody, if anyone's listening out there, I don't care who you are, what you do. Hit me up. I'll talk at you. I love talking. <laughs> oh, that's a resounding endorsement. Um, you're like, yo, you want to chat? Hit me up. Holla. <laughs> what are you doing? You know, maybe the intro and the ending would be easier if I like actually wrote something out and was just like reading it, but then it might seem a little stiff. I don't know. 
it's tough. It's tough to find that balance. Hey, everybody. That was the episode for today. A million thanks again to my guest, Michelle Morgan, for stopping by and chopping it up with me. It was a lot of fun talking to her. If you are at all curious about any of the things that she does, uh, all of her side hustles, she has so many, she puts me to shame. I thought I had a lot of side hustles, but whoo, goddamn. Um, you can check out her website where it's all available. All the information you need is on mutuallyassureddeconstruction.com. Um, thank you again for tuning in to the Anhedonic Headphones podcast. This is, of course, the audio extension of the award-winning music website that has been taking the fun out of music writing since 2013. It is the home of the poorly written think piece. It is the home of the long read. It's anhedonicheadphones.blogspot.com, baby. You know the fucking vibes. Um, if you like this podcast, cool. I appreciate it. Let your friends know. You can smash that like button as you are able. You can rate and review and follow whatever people do on podcast platforms like Spotify or Apple Podcasts. I'm there. I'm there all the places. Uh, you can also follow me personally if that's something that you feel you'd like to do. I don't take it personally if you don't. Uh, I'm on Twitter at KevEFly, which is mostly cries for help, sometimes pictures of my dog, and then on Instagram under the same handle, at KevEFly, and that is mostly pictures of my dog and less cries for help. Um, that's the show. Thank you again for listening. I hope to see you back here next time. Uh, as we depart, please remember that we, despite what people might be telling you when you're on an airplane, uh, keep wearing your mask. We're still in a pandemic, so keep your mask on, keep washing your hands, remember that black lives still matter, and please, adopt, don't shop.